BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Here we go again with another Spin the Rally pod, your rally fix, as we wait for our sport to restart. I'm rally fan Lisa Rose Sullivan, joined by the expert crew who know all about Spin. Voice of Rally, Colin Clark. Good morning, Colin. Are we awake? Only just, Lisa. It's an unearthly hour for a podcast. <laughs> Only just. Good morning, though. Former sporting team director George Donaldson is raring to go. Morning, George. Good morning, Lisa. Yes, I am raring to go, and I am reminded as we speak. Sorry to, to drag this out. I'm reminded as we speak of all the times I've shared uh, little uh, flats with Colin <laughs> on rallies and I've thrown him a coffee in the morning. We're talking secondhand, we're talking grumpy, and then, and then finally, finally excited as we're heading out towards some patisserie somewhere where he can, where he can get his second coffee and, and some delicious little mm. thing to eat, which, okay, I share his excitement for that 100%. Great to hear you, Colin. Lisa? Thanks, David. George. Yeah. I've got no baked goods to offer you at the end of this one, Colin, so you're just going to have to wait for that caffeine fix to hit in. And, of course, we can't do this without Dirtfish senior staff writer David Evans. Good morning, David. Good morning, Lisa. I, I've got to say, I do feel as though we're making a podcast breakfast show this morning. I feel like Simon May or somebody, uh, or perhaps <laughs> John Humphreys. Thanks for Probably great, not. I'm, I'm, I think I'm overplaying my part there, aren't I? Chris Double Evans. Points. Chris <laughs> Evans is good. You, you kind of, you've got the same hair as Chris Evans. Shut your face, Clark. <laughs> Get back to sleep, Colin. Well and truly burnt there, David. Well, this is perhaps the nearest we can go to making you feel like you're on event by getting you up at some ridiculous hour. We are going to be talking today, though, David, um, yep. at your suggestion about Safari Rally, because that's what we should be talking about. We should be, you know, reveling in all things Africa and getting all excited about the history and the return mm. and, uh, and Safari Rally. But, of course... We're not. Longer and probably not. Mm. Well, uh, <laughs> so we'll relive it in our heads. That hasn't a- happened. Absolutely. And we will relive it on dirtfish.com this week, of course. Um, but yeah, you're you're exactly right, Lise. Astonishingly, even though it feels like it should still only be April or May, it is July the 13th. Crikey. Monday the 13th. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we should <laughs> all be heading south to uh, to, to Nairobi, uh, to, to Africa, and to the first safari rally since 2002, which would have been hugely exciting and will of course be hugely exciting next year when we get there um but yeah it's uh, it's another one of those just bizarre events isn't it that it is you kind of can't it, believe it that is. this and, year is happening and you know what it's I, I, you know david i know you've done a number of safaris and george clearly is the the king of the safaris but i've never been i've <laughs> never been and it's one of those events that i really really was looking forward to i, I don't know if i told you guys previously but I, I when i was younger i used to read everything by wilbur smith and wilbur smith sets <laughs> a lot of his books in africa and 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 you, you know, yeah, reading can can instill a passion, and I have an absolute passion for Africa. I was so looking forward to it, but as you're right to say, David, we'll be going next year. But still, it's a it's a massive disappointment. I used to work with a cameraman who was named off Wilbur Smith 
hero, Dax. Yeah. His name was Dax, <laughs> yeah. which yeah, I've he never heard some, of before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pro- proper strange kind of old school hero names. <laughs> so, so we're back to 2002 since the Safari Rally last ran. George, were you there? I certainly was. And it was the most disappointing Safari Rally I had ever done. Um, uh, first time I was ever in a team where uh, all the cars had retired and that was ProDrive. And yeah. it was just unbelievable. Uh, and it was the same similar problem as happened the previous year it was I don't know I, I still I still uh, I still struggle with that one it hurts me it hurts me yet that we retired uh, f- from that event I'd, I've had hard we, safari rallies but never retired when did you join uh, Subaru I joined in uh, just in 2001 so, so you, you didn't get a win with Subaru then I didn't get a win with Subaru no, no. but you got a few oh, wins in, with Toyota interestingly interestingly I was there in 2000 as a spectator because I'd, uh, Toyota had stopped at the end of 1999 and I was in Formula One but I had heaps of holiday built up over a number of years really to, to take back from uh, from from the team um, well from the company um, so I had about 40 odd days holidays in, in spare and I took a whole load in January and then I, then I took another uh, two weeks or week and a half or something to go out to Safari Rally wow. I had lots of air miles as well at that time so I went out to Safari Rally oh, and, air miles uh, I, I, of course, all, all my all my former friends and colleagues were were many of them were still involved, of course, and and uh, I got on very well with John Spiller, the team team manager of of Subaru at that time, whom I eventually took over from. But uh, John was fantastic, and uh, we spent a fair bit of time, obviously, out on the section spectating, and then uh, in the in the service park, as it were, just listening to their radios and sitting in their little uh, under their little awnings, drinking tea or whatever it was we were drinking and eating their food and being part of their team. All Almost in in a strange way, uh, it was brilliant, mm. and and they, so, they won that. It was, it was I think it was Richard that won that, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, Back in 2002, so you're saying you had two years in Subaru where the cars didn't finish. Were they still building in those days specific Safari cars? Well, I know they'd have to be modified, but you know, back in the day when you guys at Toyota were putting so much effort into it, cars yeah. were built specifically for the rally. 2002 was that still the case? Uh, not, not, not so much the case. Um, basically, the, the way that Mitsubishi did it, which we've heard on on our podcast so so well from from Derek Donsey, is that they they basically uh, just Figured out how long a part would last and changed it pretty well every service, you know, and and uh, and managed it that way. At Subaru, basically very similar. You did make the car a bit stiffer. You made it as high as you could, so you're trying to get as much suspension travel out of the car. Very long sections, quite fast, and the roads are mud roads as opposed to as as David as David said uh, on the last podcast, and I didn't take him a task for it. He said, "Oh, these are man-made roads." So I've never seen a Sorry, natural George. road formed formed naturally <laughs> but, but the environment the, the geography doesn't do but I know what you meant I mean a beautifully man-made road or just a gravel a, a, a mud road so in Kenya they're mostly mud roads just a road carved through the bush with no substrate in it to make it stronger so you get massive ruts you get massive holes that form from little rivers and, and uh, arrows that, that uh, uh, is it, how, I forget how you pronounce it Ar- Arayo uh, little pun- ponds and puddles and temporary streams um, so the, you get these huge 
huge bumps and 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 dips and and ruts. So the car the car suspension does take a hammering. So you get as much suspension travel out of it as possible, so that the suspension absorbs the shock and it doesn't get transferred to the chassis and, and break it into mm. two pieces, which we've all seen on Safari Rally. So yeah, they they they, they do those modifications, but fairly fairly minimum. Um, mm. The cars were kind of strong enough as they were those World Rally cars. But but I have to not, say, George, clearly not that what you what you're describing there, and David, you'll have seen them as well. The, the videos that we saw coming out, a friend of ours, a guy called Jeff Mays, who actually works on one of the uh, wildlife estates out there that one, one or two of the stages were running through. He sent a number of videos through of, of wreckies through the stages, and they're very similar, George, the, the stages that were they planned are. this well, year. Yeah, very similar to what you described there. So I, I, I do wonder how much the teams, how much obviously M Sport and Hyundai and Toyota, how much extra they would have put into the existing cars. David, well, I didn't hear anything about they're, that. Did, they're, did very, you hear? they're very limited. George. I don't think homologation-wise, yeah. you can't you can't do very much. You would just adapt no. the car to, 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 to give it as well, much travel as you could. Basically, yeah. basically, um, the Safari Rally that we, that we were going to have this year is kind of like the the, the, the the last two that we had. Well, actually, the last five or six that we had in that it was it's a service park. In this case, it's a single service park, not, not moving around at all. But they were quite creative with the route. So they're using the area around uh, Suswa, uh, to mm. well, basically basically to the the, the north of Suswa and to the west of um, uh, Lake Naivasha. So it was a rift valley, wasn't it, George? It's, 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 well, the, the whole of Kenya is basically rift valley, but it is. It's, it, it, as you drive out of Nairobi north up towards Naivasha and and Nakuru, where where the rally is going to be based, you you, you climb up a, a, a vast escarpment and you're you're going through a pine forest. And honestly, there's times when you're going up there, you could easily be in Scotland or Scandinavia and you're thinking where am I this can't be Kenya this is not Kenya everything's completely green and you get right up to 7,000 feet as you drive out of Nairobi you're starting at 5 you go up to about seven, seven and a half thousand feet I think it is up there and then there's a place there up there just a, a little lay-by it's the Rift Valley viewpoint mm. and it's compulsory to stop there and, and <laughs> you will be offered soapstone trinkets from, uh, from the little vendors there but the most amazing view out to the west over Longanot uh, crater and in the distance Suswa crater Suswa volcano which is a huge volcano which doesn't look like anything when you look at it Longanot crater is a much smaller one and it looks utterly classic and you look down into the caldera about I don't know 10 kilometres away it, it's it's uh, fallen to the, to the side of the viewpoint and but you look right into the caldera on this extinct volcano uh, and you're at 7,000 feet and then you're then you're you, you, you have this incredible almost a pastiche of looking down at the Rift Valley uh, and, and all the little uh, down the sides of the valley where there's there's lots of moisture there's a huge amount of little patchwork of patchwork of fields and 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 small agriculture and then you get down to the plain down to the bottom where the volcano is and looking right across to um oh what's I forget the name of the little town on the other so it's looking across towards Narok about 60 kilometers 50 60 kilometers away the escarpment goes back up the other side and that is the rift valley as mm. you can see or, or a little part of the rift valley at least because the Rift Valley is huge. And it's just the most amazing thing to see. Sorry to rant on, but yeah, as you can tell, I've got to say, I, I absolutely agree with that, George, that when you're driving up through that forest, you could be anywhere and you could be in Scotland. Yeah. But then equally, yeah. I do remember getting to the top and stopping in that viewpoint. And there was definitely something that reminded me that we were not in Scotland when yes. the monkeys <laughs> monkeys or baboons or whatever they were jumped on the car. No, there's, was, no, there's, no, yeah. there's no baboons up there at the viewpoint, is there? I've never seen I mean, any. Baboons up there. I'm you sure. On the way up through, but uh, not scary 
came on the way down. Well, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They were very large well, and very well, scary. Well, what scared me, scared me more than that was, was our friend again, Jeff Mays, kept sending, yes, little videos of the stage, but then he'd occasionally send photographs of prides of lions and mm. things at stop lines. At stop lines. Oh, See, this is the stop line for stage two, yeah. Colin. How'd you fancy this one? Yeah, not very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll be sitting in my car. This is a man you know? who used but, to get worried about um, wee beasties, yeah. that you'd see uh, something rustling that was probably the size of a dormouse and on the radio side of things I'm thinking uh, something coming something coming yeah, it's a bear do you remember it's the a bear, bear. <laughs> the bear yeah I remember in, in Japan it was a mouse Japan, it turned it out to be mouse. a very large dog it was a dog a very large dog in the distance it could have been a bear and that, that was all Denny Girardet's fault because I'd seen Denny Girardet that morning and he was doing some work for Subaru and he'd been through the stage that we were on it was actually the stage remember the stage where Peter Solberg crashed the penultimate yes. stage of the rally yeah. around Japan he'd been going up the hill there and that was a stage that went That's up a valley to the top of the hill down the next valley back down again so you, you had to go up the one stage to come back the next one and he'd been driving through at about four in the morning and had followed a bear for about 500 metres <laughs> this bear just ambled along in front of him just you know a bit like something out of what's the film with the bears with Baloo the bear I want to be book. like you yeah a bit like Jungle Book you know <laughs> driving along with this bear so I had bears I'd seen him and he told me the story and I had bears in my head all day and then I saw this bear and got really very excited dog. and looked a little closer yeah it was a dog it was a dog a very 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 big Lesser dog spotted Japanese dog bear oh, dear. <laughs> yeah that, those were happy days happy days that's another one Japan to look forward to but but guys you know, safari and it, and it is it is something very special it's very, something very special in terms of the, the history of the World Rally Championship because it's so different and it for me it really does typify why rallying is so special because you are sports about diversity your Formula One is fantastically exciting at times and we saw that this week with that race in Austria but but you know we go to these these incredibly different settings and venues and different challenges every month for rallying and nothing really typifies that more than the safaris of old I suppose well, absolutely. I mean, I think the the, the real classics, of course, were um, all through the seventies, eighties, and and the early nineties. I think that you know that's when we started to see the specialist cars coming in. Pre that, they tended to be, I mean, I suppose the late sixties, but they tended to be Austin Healy's and uh, Volvo P five four fours and and Saab Saab ninety sixes type things. Saabs, uh, I just, love Saabs. Just, just I'm a big generally fan of quite a strong uh, you know production car <laughs> adapted for rally. And then we then of course we saw the, the you know the Mark One escorts. The minis were never strong enough, never enough suspension travel to survive a, a safari. They did try. The factory cars did try a couple of times and failed hopelessly. Wow. Um, Remember so, those so, Subaru, so those tiny Subarus? The Subaru George, Vivios. The, the Vivios. Vivios. Yeah. yeah. And they yeah. Colin used one, didn't he? In, what, he did. Yeah. He 94 just, he, just, 95. He, he thrashed it to death. I think it lasted about a day and a half, which was about, <laughs> honestly speaking, because I remember speaking to him before the rally. I said, Colin, how are you going to play this? He said, I'm going to kill this. He said it's quite strong. He said, I'm just going to thrash it. And I said, I said, I, you could, I, mean, I, I reckon he could have got a remarkable result if he'd finished. And I remember discussing it with him, saying, look, you know, why don't you just like try and shepherd it a little bit? But, you know, you know, use your speed where you can and, and, and be smart with your notes and mm. everything. And he looked at me and said, yeah, yeah, that's quite a good idea. Nah, I'm going to thrash it. <laughs> 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 we did actually have that discussion. I do recall it. And, and he did. He, he killed it about a day and a half, which is probably a day and, a day and a quarter longer than, than, he, than he expected. 
did, to be fair. Um, but one of them finished it. I think Patrick Nigiru drove one as well. Patrick um, Nigiru uh, was... They, they, they did it quite a few years. Um, did they? Did Richard not do it in one as well? No, I think he did it in a Group N car, didn't he? did he? it in a, a Group, group N, N car, right. Brezzo, yeah. yeah. I don't think he finished either. I can't remember. I no. remember the first I remember the first year that Richard came. They came... Uh, Robert had phoned me. I'd given him my uh, my phone number in the workshop in, in Nairobi. It must have been... Would it have been 94? 94, yes. something like that. I guess it would have been about then. And I'd given him my phone number, said, look, you know, when you arrive, give me a call and, and come along. So he did. He came into the workshop and he looked at all the, the Group A Toyotas and we, we chatted. And uh, I said, come on, we'll go back to the Sereno Hotel for lunch. And um, in Nairobi, you know, the traffic was the traffic. So it was basically a race back to the hotel. It was pretty horrendous. Anyway, I can I can honestly and legitimately say that I have raced uh, Richard Burns and I've beaten him. <laughs> <laughs> Now, and he, the, the, and I can tell you, he was very determined. It wasn't an easy one. It was a tough one, Lisa. Don't belittle this win. No, this I almost, know. I'd take it. This was a sub world <laughs> championship win, but it was, I, I mean, we were on pavements, across the parks, all sorts of nonsense that you could do back then. It was great fun. Good lunch. Good lunch. I, but I, I remember we, talking to Richard. Richard was fun. Sorry, we're, 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 have we digressed off off track? Here? No, Sorry. no, no. We haven't, George, because I think one thing that we do have to talk about is the Uhuru Highway uh, and the the road coming in and out. It's this one main road that comes in and out of Nairobi. I think probably goes right through Kenya but we or I only drove a certain section of it but it's the first and maybe not the only time I remember some of this in Jordan as well that you would be driving in the dead of night not the dead of night but it, it would go it went quite dark quite early I remember it goes um, dark about goes dark about uh, starts the dusk is about 6.35 6.40 yeah and complete pitch is five minutes later yeah there, that's there, that's there, right there is no there is no dusk and there is no dawn there is a pre-dawn light and then bang it's there it's like uh, it's it's like out of a movie set when someone just turns yeah. the lights on. But it, it, it just an incredibly dark road, obviously no street lights, mm. and it was a two or three lane, probably a three lane motorway, the nearest thing that in those days that Kenya got to a motorway. And you'd be driving your hire car up there quite slowly, and you'd pass the odd person walking down the central reservation on the roadside of it. Uh, and then happily, you'd, you'd either come across the, a huge plume of black smoke, you'd slow down a bit and find a truck going incredibly slowly with no lights, hopefully yep. going in the same direction as you, but more often than not coming <laughs> in the other direction towards you oh, not honestly good. it yeah. was the, you know at the time it was absolutely terrifying but yeah. looking back yeah. it was completely just part of the adventure it's can I ask about the, part of the adventure yeah can I ask about the actual rally side of things we talk when I, when I hear you guys talk obviously you're talking about how robust the cars needed to be to actually finish the event what kind of time gaps were there between the, the cars as they were finishing the stages um, were they close were they tight yeah they would be sometimes 10 15 20 seconds uh, sometimes sometimes a minute sometimes two minutes sometimes five minutes you know but, but George George the other thing that we saw was you know I, I remember sitting watching I think it was Safari uh, Channel 4 were covering it uh, and it was on a Saturday night they had an hours programme remember Saturday in the kitchen watching it um, and it was fantastic coverage it really was 2003 or 4 probably uh, and, and you Must know we saw from the helicopters yeah. two, so two sorry um, mm. yeah of course uh, you know fantastic helicopter coverage and, and seeing really back in those days that you could take different routes almost the road book obviously yeah. there were long sections between instructions and the road book so I remember McRae and it's quite famous footage isn't it McRae you know the, the road book or the, the, the stage was supposed to go down through the riverbed and there was a really bumpy rocky riverbed and he decided to stay up on the bank 
and he went right across the grass and things like that could I suppose affect times massively but but that again must have been part of the um, the allure the attraction of, of, of the safari the fact that you did have to make those decisions you don't make those decisions anymore you completely stick and you know the rule is two wheels on the road or you're you're, you're penalised aren't you but in those days you could be well off what was considered the road as long as you were following well, the instructions in you, the road book you, you, you probably find that wasn't the riverbed that they were driving down it just turned into it had it had turned into a riverbed because of yeah, it, because yeah. the cars going over it and the trucks. So you quite often find five or six routes. You know, you'll have a main sort of artery where you're you know you're at point B and you're you know you're headed at one eight zero degrees twenty kilometers down the road, not quite straight. But there may be five or six roads, you know, sometimes several hundred yards apart, all going down there. So you pick your road. I remember that one in particular because it was I think it was up I think it, I got a feeling that was up on the Maui escarpment. And uh, or or that area could be completely wrong, but the road was the road was quite well defined, as you said in this in this uh, almost like with with banks on the side, almost like the Azores mm. Valley, really. You know, with the exactly. high the high banks, and he just completely deviated up, and, you, and there was quite a few people that was obviously near a main road, and there was people in there with their uh, with all their pickups and uh, Pajeros and also Mitsubishi Shoguns as they're called in this country. But yeah, Colin Colin just literally hopped up over this bank and moved moved off 50, 60, maybe even 100 metres out to the left and zigzagged through other tracks. And he, he yeah. continued to do that for five or six kilometres. And was he was overtaking incredible. somebody at the time? I think he actually, did he not pass somebody? Quite possibly. I think possibly. he might have done. Yeah. He might have actually passed <laughs> someone, which which makes it an easy pass because passing on a, on a gravel road in the dust is you know, nigh on impossible. You're going to have to find mm. another route. And your helicopter can help you in those circumstances. Mm. So the helicopter can see away, but the helicopter flying along at 50, 60 miles an hour, sometimes even, you know, near, nearer, you know, 160, 170 kph, 100 miles an hour plus, you, they can't see all the potholes and bumps because you're, they're, they're getting a two-dimensional uh, look straight down at the road. They'll, they'll miss everything, but it can be huge help and yeah. um, uh, allow well, the, the, the driver to, to, to pick up those little options. Do you think, do you think, you know, it has been, I say 2002, George, the last time, 18, 19 years, it'll be 19 years certainly by the time we go back next year. Is there a chance that we're going to be a little bit disappointed? Well, I, I was it, thinking it, uh, that we were, Colin. It's a great question. I was thinking we were. And then one of my old friends, uh, Glenn Edmonds from, from Safari Rally, or so, from Kenya, actually, not he wasn't necessarily part of the organising team on Safari Rally back there. I met him at um, uh, Andrew Cowan's memorial service. And it was a sad event, but of course, as always in Scotland, there's always a jolly get together afterwards. And I got uh, I got myself half an hour with Glenn, and Glenn showed me all the route, and we went through it. And I'm looking at the old sections up on the up across Hell's Gate from uh, from the Narocks from from Lake uh, Naivasha across to uh, the Suswa side, and then back again. I'm thinking, hang on, okay, these maybe aren't 90 kilometer sections, but they are sections. They they will be a challenge. They'll be no different. These these roads will not be better than they were previously so yeah David your earlier question how much will they be how much uh, how much extra will the teams be doing for the cars well I don't think they're allowed to the parts are homologated on the car so it's going to be up to the drivers to shepherd those cars to get them through otherwise they're going to be getting towed back later super rallied and back out there again but they would have done some some of the really cool safari bits wouldn't they George they would probably put the, the extra lights on them and maybe some some rubars on the front and um, a, the odd snorkel I mean um, these... I'm, again I'm not sure if you're allowed to 
do that under the homologation. From um, what I was told, there was there was certain dispensation for this event. There was. Um, okay, so just, what you would absolutely want to do, David, is you you would want to get the car as high as you possibly yeah. could. Not well, not to the point that you don't have any droop on the suspension because droop's just as important as uh, as compression. But um, you you these cars have huge suspension travel, as we've seen. You know, the mm. car, you see the cars jumping in in uh, in in Finland, and you know they land like a cat after mm. you know, effectively what might be a three or four meter drop over the over the piece. They maybe never been more than a meter over above the road, but they come down, they land like a cat. So mm. we've got great suspension already. Hopefully that will be strong enough. I'm sure it probably will be. It's just a matter of having your start point a little bit higher, so you you will you will use that suspension in quite a different way. Now that's a massive engineering task. That's a complete redesign of the way the shock absorber is going to work. I'm, I'm quite sure of it because it's not designed to do that. It's designed to keep the car really low and the centre of gravity low. You don't want to lose all that, but you actually want to be able to drive over rough stuff quickly. Um, and I'm sure the teams will have sent people out for recce. So I'm sure that somebody's been out and around on uh, on the the stages and that the teams know what they're what they're hitting and they'll have figured out what they want to do. New uh, generation what, George Donaldson. Sure, they'll have done that. So, but what we also often, what we also should remember there George with the suspension is that we talk a lot and you know we always remember the really slow bits of safari but there were some really really quick bits where unbelievable elements where you have you know where you've got the car yeah. high up and you know uh-huh. the, the the car the, the sort of center of gravity is high you get a lack of precision don't you on some of those well, really the, high the car, the car moves around you know, when you get yeah. up to 130 140 miles an hour on a hard gravel road and there are hard gravel roads with the odd little rut here and there that mm. you have to lift the car over literally you You'll drift it sideways and then pop it up over a, a, a set of ruts to the other side of the road. And I've seen it being done at 130, 145 miles an hour. Fred Gallagher once on a test, which I was at in the Group B Celica, so that was 1986. Uh, they were, they were, I think they were doing a tyre test, and it was up about a f- 15 or 16 kilometre section of road from uh, near Naivasha back up towards Elementaita Crossroads, it was called. I can't quite remember the length of the section. But Bjorn was driving the car up there, turning at the top and coming back down. And Fred had calculated the average to the the, the start finish point uh, that that we had, or that uh, it was a rolling start finish, a flying finish. Obviously, I think we ended up with a flying start on it. But he was he was working out that they were doing it was 143 miles an hour average up and down. God. And that car, I think, could do 148. It, 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 it had lots of power, it had plenty of power for Africa. It's a flat, hard road, so it was you know it was what the road wasn't absorbing terribly much power and we were seeing what the car could do and that's why the Celica won originally it won because it had top speed and it had huge suspension travel and the suspension was unbelievably strong uh, but it was more like a group it was honestly it was more like a group A car than a group B car almost group N plus because you know it was an old Atlas axle in it it was uh, front suspension arms were not handmade they were other suspension arms from something that had been modified strengthened beefed up different ball joints on it it was all stock parts even on that group b car or not stock but shelf parts shall we say um mm. so yes very 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 high speed sections it's really a lot about speed but it's also about the ability to be doing that speed um being good enough with your pace notes to catch the uh the, where the ruts and changes are um and i mean care recce is very tight into the rally it's only a couple of days before the rally so unless there's been a massive amount of rain nothing will, nothing will change that much but you know spectators will be going up and down the road extra ruts will appear you there will be extra 
fangs and belts and, you know, these are public roads, trucks are using them, that a truck could get stuck, they'll <laughs> dig it out. You're driving up the road at 100 miles an hour and you're finding there's a, a, a 20 metre wide, one metre deep mess in the road. You know, your car's going to need to be able to take that, I'm afraid. Otherwise, it's prob- you're just going to wipe its bottom and just sit there, sit there with no <laughs> wheels, awaiting it's, recovery later. It's probably worth guards, remembering, David. George, Fix as well, guards. before 96. So, actually, mm. yeah, before 96, the roads were open, weren't they? These were, these were, it yeah. was essentially no, they were open. they were open after 96 as well. They weren't closed until the very, the very, very end. Were they? Yeah, they were still mm. open. Still people driving down them. But, I mean, that, yeah. it's just remarkable, isn't it, that you'd come... That's why we had the wing lights. The wing lights were the identity for a rally car. So, the wing lights were, in theory, first of all, to stop the... To, so, you had a light that was above the mud level. Yeah. And that was a very valid point. Um, the first, what was it, but the first four safari rallies I went to were completely dry. Kenya never saw much rain for, for four years when I first went there. Um, Were those back in the times when it was at Easter, though? When it, that, that, was, was, that, was, what, that was an Easter event, Which yeah. traditionally yeah. was the rainy season, wasn't it? Uh, it was It was just before the rains, but the rains could come, yeah. So that, the theory was a, a late Easter put you in, in danger of, of, of rains. But back in mm. 1986, uh, I mean, the, Ken, Kenya often has droughts, even though it's in this fantastic subtropical zone. And, you know, Kenya is the food basket of the world, of Africa. Um, I mean, I, I remember basically, you go into the supermarket in Europe now certainly in Britain anyway uh, you go into Marks and Spencers into Tesco the, the, the green beans you'll be eating will, will be from Kenya mm. and they would have been picked in the field yesterday they are they are packed on site down in, down in the, 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 the fertile area around just south of Nairobi and, and, and up in, in Navasha absolutely the area that we're going to lots and lots of greenhouses as well and not that they're necessary really the whole, the whole country's a greenhouse but, uh, but you do see them they, they grow flowers in them as well so all the flowers that go that you see in the in Amsterdam, they're all coming from Kenya now, you know. <laughs> But but you, they're, they're packed. They're packed in the afternoon. They're driven down to Nairobi. They go on a night freighter and they arrive in Britain at five or six in the morning. And they're out in the shops on the shelves by ten o'clock. And by by the way, I've I've been in one of those packing plants, and you can see them. They're even labelled. They've got the barcode labels on them. The sell by date and the price in pounds mm. stamped on. Wow! In, in a in a factory in Naivasha. It's bizarre when you first that's, see that's it. That's it's, another thing to add to my list of, of yeah. adventures. I'm going yeah. on safari and I'm going. To a bean factory but also, as well. also I want to see also it. we're going to go to <laughs> definitely going to go and see the good Dr. Dawa at Carnival's restaurant which was oh, an yes. absolute Look, I can, I can do first... you an adventure I'll do you an adventure Colin uh, the, 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 this lovely big volcano I've talked about Suswa now the, the rally is running around there a little bit not, it doesn't go right around Suswa but it's doing a fair little bit around there but there's some old tracks and I've got a lovely book that describes what is it called I think it was called 50, 50 tracks in Kenya and it was to unusual places and up on this Suswa this old volcano there is massive caves lava tube caves oh, so you can drive oh. up there and it's 20 kilometres up this real proper goat track and, and literally you're, you're pushing your way through the bush <laughs> yeah I like that Josh higher car be there though yeah I do uh, like no, that no, but no I, I didn't prefer... see any la- nasty bats didn't see any yeah. nasty no, bats no 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 and I've no, been, no, into, no, those, Josh, I've been into those lava caves and they are spectacular yeah alright but that'll come after they run for 20-30 kilometres Stunning. That'll come after Doctor Dawa and Carnivores. Hot springs. We're running through Hell's Gate. Hell's Gate Park. There's lots of gorges down there. There's hot springs popping out. Well, there's there's huge thermal power stations there in Hell's Gate Park. So you know, yeah, it's, all, it's all edgy stuff. You know, that, that'll actually that'll come. Call that that'll all come before Doctor Dawa. 
and eating crocodile <laughs> and ostrich and yeah it is, this is but this what, is what i want to hear about what, david what, i want to hear it, about the drink it was all fabulous <laughs> it's all tusker beer it's all yeah it's all there waiting for us <laughs> but one thing that makes me a little bit sad about safari rally is that you know you look at the the history of the event and it's one of those rallies where local drivers could always do incredibly well i mean the, the last one yes. we had the people like ian duncan but before that you know Absolutely. it was jaginder singh and shekhar Mehta and all these great great names um from days gone by in, in cars like datsons and and these kind of things and th- there won't really be any scope for that anymore and there hasn't been in in the sort of latter-day history of the safari uh obviously the last the last wrc round there was 2002 uh and unlike george my memory of 2002 is is magnificent because it was an, another colin mccray win uh but it was a typical colin mccray win that he just completely controlled the event almost from i don't know midway through the first day or something and it was back in the time that i think i was still working for motoring news then uh and david williams was was there reporting on the event and dkw used to write uh colin's uh column driver column for motoring news and i remember we were oh, did colin um, not write that himself yes of course oh, no, he did, just, you've, you've shattered uh, you've shattered and that we were sort of midway then. through the penultimate day which I, in those days i think it was back it was a three-day event just like every other wrc round so we were midway through saturday uh and there was not a lot to talk about because colin was just cruising uh and driving quite happily uh and so uh <laughs> colin said to dkw should we do the column now <laughs> so confident was he that he'd still got half of the safari to go uh but he was oh. supremely confident <clears throat> in the car you know those those focused the, the, the Malcolm Wilson's focuses that he was driving they were absolutely bulletproof um, lovely cars and, brilliant and, and, car that focus yeah. yeah I mean you look at the, you know we were up at M Sport last week Col, and one of the mm. absolute best memories that Malcolm has is of the 1999 focus which astonishingly you know after I think they'd had two events Monty and Sweden uh, where they'd been fastest times but there'd been issues um, with that brand new focus in 99 and then they went to, to Safari and won uh, wasn't that, that one too that was an amazing uh, an amazing drive yeah. from, from, from Colin and, and that was a brilliant car absolutely it, brilliant car it, it absolutely was so yeah, yeah but mm. what my point now was that we that there's, there's not really the local flavour in terms of drivers anymore is there? No there's not there's not mm. but um, you know I is think, that I still think related? The, the, oh, totally mm. of, of mm. course there's, there's no other yeah. reason for it you know those cars are not accessible I mean if if if, if we were in, in a car that you, know, you could buy for £200,000 I think you'd find you know the, the local importers would be Spending the money on the local drivers, the Patrick and Judas, or the the, mm. the replacements for Patrick, he'll be he'll be out of it now. Um, I, I would imagine even Ian Duncan would try and get back out and just and just have a little go again. And you'd be surprised how well some of these guys might do. But that's um, it, you know. It was so much of that event was local knowledge, wasn't it? You know, you talked about yeah, the, the 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 rain there, George, and and when it did rain because there was a lot of volcanic ash around, mm. it yeah. would become like that. They called it black cotton, didn't they? And it black, would just black cotton, yeah. It, and it, it just. It, it, you know, to find a way through there was as as easy for the locals as it would be for Elvin yeah. Evans to find the grip yeah. in in a wet dovey or well, something like they, that. They, they they would they would they would automatically do all the time what Colin did, uh, what you, what you saw Colin doing, uh, going off route. Um, mm. Uh, mm. Colin Clark, that, that that's you know what what you saw McRae doing there was, was mm. exactly what the locals could do all the time, and they 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 they, they had learned the roads off pat. They'd been down there all their lives. They knew that when it rained or when it was a bit damp, go off to the left 
shift if there's a lot bigger downpour go off to the right but go behind that that particular um, flame tree and, 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 and keep going for 400 metres and then there's a wee track to the left and down and it's kind of I suppose there was a bit of that there was a bit of route finding going on a bit of an adventure and those guys didn't have helicopters the local guys the, of course the um, our guys uh, did latterly so it was, it was quite exciting but we were talking about the cars earlier and of course as usual I digressed and got completely off track they, they, they will be allowed to make changes the biggest thing of all in Safari for me right now with these modern cars I would have the biggest strongest sump guard I could get on that car not, not necessarily heavy but I would have a seriously big thick sump guard that can A absorb shock and B not come off the car sump guards coming mm. off rally cars is something that I've seen a little bit of in the last 15-20 years occasionally the sump guard comes off the car I mean that car should be able to roll down the road be a banana and that sump guard should still be on the car and I think yeah. that, that will, that will protect them that will protect them massively as as yeah. for all the, the I mean I, I imagine that one of the dispensations will be able to remove a lot of the front uh, the front air dam but you know the first rough bit you come to it'll all be gone anyway if, the, if they've not got that better to design it in in the first place and, and keep some airflow than try and maximise your airflow because it's just going to get wiped off unless of course they've managed to pick unbelievably smooth roads but when I, when I saw the map I looked at sections that had been there in, in Safari since uh, 1953 mm. and some really you know three or four nice little proper wee sections that are going to be very very challenging especially for the cars and they're going to be fantastic the the footage we're going to get is going to be you know the the creative guys in in TV the, all the the, the cameramen you know I think they're the big losers from the we, we've all lost our safari rally and we're bemoaning it but those TV cameramen what an opportunity for them to to flex their creative muscles they'll get great shots with Suswa crater in the back Hellsgate National Park they're going through Lake Naivasha Lake Elementaita with all the with all the flamingos on it and and the um, the, the sulfur waters um, uh, with all the colors on it uh, just amazing opportunities and you know they've got the wherewithal they would they would have the most stunning footage that, that that they will get but but don't 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 be disillusioned about um, uh, how how wonderful it is africa's um, africa's africa it's, it's a it's a it, it can bite you know the, those wild animals we talked about i can tell you several <laughs> stories of people you know out for a walk um uh, people people getting blasé about the fact oh yeah there's lions i'll just walk around the corner no 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 you don't do that um, are you saying they didn't come back uh, I'm saying that they didn't come back. But, Bits of but, them but, didn't come back. No, no, all, all of them didn't come back. But 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 lions, <laughs> oh, lions are dear. lions are very very gentle killers. They 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 don't actually bother killing you. They just sit on top of you and eat you alive. And if that's not horrendous mm. enough for you at this time in the morning, you're a tougher person than me. Um, <laughs> Fred Gallagher told us. Uh, well, I was sitting. I maybe shared this story down at Taita Hills, where where Bjorn had been out on uh, recce. We were we they was doing a big lap uh, out to um, I think up to. Uh, Loitoki Talk from Taita Hills it must have been about 100 kilometres up there and I think did he come back down over Chula I can't have done that much but anyway he, he was going to be away for about an hour and three quarters so we'd, we'd uh, testing parts on the car so we'd, we'd fitted all the car up we retired into the into the hotel one of us had to stay by the radio uh, we, we 
but I think I think actually what we'd done was we'd taken us we'd taken a battery out of one of the vans, I think out of my van, and we'd taken the radio down by the pool. So we're sitting there, all the boys are just having a nice cool. <laughs> that was drink your idea, wasn't it, George? Tighter hills. No, no, I was junior at that time. This would have been nineteen. I think it was nineteen eighty-seven. I think it was the first year, first year of the Supra, as I recall. And and um, after two hours, we hadn't heard anything on the radio, and we're wondering whether the radio's working well enough by the pool. <laughs> and three hours pass, and we're like, well, okay, look, the deal is we don't go looking, we stay here, they find their way back to us. That's the deal. Okay, fair enough. I'm sort of thinking, should we go out and start looking for them? But Because we know where they've gone, so we, we could easily do that in the van. Uh, but anyway, we didn't, we waited. And then all of a sudden, uh, Fred Gallagher appears. Um, I, well, I think I was sitting up in the van when he appeared, um, and he got out of this tourist van, as you might expect, and he was white as a sheet. So I was sitting, I was sitting in the, I think I, I probably, I was sitting on a, a bunch of tyres outside the, so we're in the hotel car park about 50 metres from the hotel towards this little airfield and Fred Gallagher uh, comes out of the van and he said I've just seen a whole load of lions there at the end of the runway at the, on, the, on the blind corner there I said oh crikey I'm sitting here in the van you know 40-50 metres away from them you know I'd been half asleep they could have come and had a, a meal with me not a problem nobody else around but Fred had been on this tourist bus and he'd said just drop me off at the bottom of the main road and I'll walk up <laughs> and the driver, the driver had said no no I'll take you up he'd driven up and around this corner and here's this pride of lions like 15-20 lions just sitting there and it's a blind corner there's bushes all the way up and then you turn the corner literally 90 degrees and it's 50 metres across the middle of the runway or t- I think towards the top end of the runway actually but you're you're certainly behind the turn point so you're in front of the turn point effectively the airplanes cross that road when they're taking off and landing um, lovely sign saying look out for the planes you know anyway Fred Fred would have turned that corner out the bushes and been confronted with a pride of 15 lions and now you could go back down to the main road where there's nothing there's no shelter there's no house to nip into nothing uh, he certainly couldn't cross the way what would have happened to him you know and you don't you don't think about it I mean that was that was a road we drove all the time it's just right outside the game park where you see lots of lines you don't think about it you, you didn't think about it um, I, I, that, I'd think about it George I think we didn't think about it and, and, <laughs> I, and I remember Fred he was as white as a sheet saying Jesus I, was, I, was, I mean I'd, I'd more or less insisted because he'd been in the back of this tourist bus he was looking to stretch his legs you know um, Bjorn yeah. had stayed with the car and actually no I think yeah, Bjorn stayed with the car but he got he got a tow because the car did arrive back just as we were getting ready to go Bjorn arrived on the end of a tow rope he got blown its engine well, George again. you might George, anyway, you, that you same know place whole load of scorpions we were working on the <coughs> ground no ground sheets and I remember somebody kicking over a stone saying you shouldn't be you shouldn't be on the ground here what are you talking about we've been coming here for several years and, and uh, we never had a problem he said the scorpions everywhere never seen one kicks over a stone next to your foot and here's this lov- lovely little clear small but completely uh-huh. translucent scorpion maybe maybe it's about <sighs> three or four centimetres long not a really big one but apparently they're the worst <laughs> they don't need to be big George they don't ah! need to be big George ah! listen as you know George and David I have a penchant a penchant for hiring convertible cars <laughs> I, yeah. think, I think I think when we go to Nairobi next year I'll not be hiring a convertible I, I really won't I can't no. see them I'd love to be able to get that beautiful full vista you know from the, a roofless car but the, the thought of something jumping in with me is just a little bit too much or chewing really through is. the roof well, you, well, there is that. If I make, there is if that I make, as well. There, there, there's, there's many, many uh, national parks to go to. But, but if I was making a recommendation to anyone that's looking for just, just uh, two or three days safari after the event, 
uh, out to Wilson Airport onto an airplane uh, about um, a 55 minute flight in uh, what could be an old DC-3 Douglas Dakota converted converted with gas turbine engines or a de Havilland Dash Dash 8 uh, or, or a little twin otter um, aircraft um, or even, even something more boring like an F-50 or an older F-27 very noisy fly out to um, fly out to um, Masai Mara there are lots of hotels serenas uh, river camps uh, really really nice hotels uh, camping hotels basically some, some of them some of them are rooms you might prefer the, the concrete room type calling up on up on an escarpment no, no George, I'm, I'm into my camping thank you uh, yeah. I've, got, I've got a sense of adventure well, line, there's no history of lines ever entering <laughs> Sorry, any tents and stealing Clark? people calling there's, there's, no, there's no record of that at all um, uh, because uh, the people that were taken by them never reported it oddly enough but you know t- take three days you will see everything it is amazing you'll even see rhinos but you'll never see a rhino um, on its own it's always it's always got somebody with it it's always got a man with a gun with it protecting it which is very very sad mm-hmm. but very lovely sad. that the Kenyan mm-hmm. government and the Kenyan Wildlife Service puts 24 hour guards on all the rhinos and as a result the rhinos they have a relationship with the rhinos these it's guys amazing. you know they're, they're, they're friendly they're, they're gorgeous they're, yeah, they're well, basically I'm not going to go and say hello to a rhino that's well, for sure I, I have done and I was, I was quite scared Colin I've got a video of this with myself and, a, and one of my colleagues uh, Norman Burns we'd, we'd gone out after we'd done a clear up in, uh, before Christmas we'd gone out to do a clear up in, in Kenya bring a whole lot of stuff back and we had two or three days spare right come on we're going off we went out to the, the mm. Mara and we went on this we were in a minibus like everyone else off out found the rhino uh, there's the guard um, and there's the rhino and we're, we, we, we walked around it with the guard and, and we came within I don't know 10 metres of this rhino and it, it looked at us and it started to snort and make a bit of a noise <laughs> like, oh, it's, got this, it's huge I, mean, I don't know what a rhino weighs is it a couple of tonnes it's a huge thing and it's a gorgeous almost prehistoric beast and, and quite elegant in its own way very refined looking creature with this massive horn on the front of course double horn and I'm thinking holy cow it's coming for us you know and it, it stomped its feet and it came towards us and I'm standing there filming this and I said to the guard who was a very friendly chap I said uh, at what point did we run he said no 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 he said not a problem just stay here and this guy has his rifle over his back and he's got this long sort of uh, a stick flexible like this little twig that's probably a metre and a half long and he's using it to, to you know with a few leaves on the top he's using it to keep flies away just flipping it through the air as you might and um, he reaches down and picks up a little pebble now this pebble was the size of a, a stone chip that you would get in your garden you know a centimetre square sort of type thing he picked up this wee stone and this uh, th- but by the time this this rhinoceros got to within five metres I was getting very scared as was everybody else in the group we were all huddling sort of some, somehow closer together and trying to shuffle back and the guard saying no no don't move don't move and he, he takes a sweet stone and he flings it at the at the uh, the rhino and it bounces off his nose and it goes oh, and backs away and it almost shakes its head and just, just takes a few steps backwards and then goes back to grazing I think it's like what? what happened there? I still don't know what happened but obviously the rhino the rhino was, was chastened by the guard and it, it went away how good was that? Fabulous. Amazing I have to say I, I am missing the fact that we're not having safari but uh, no. I can't wait for it to be on the schedule next year now we are running a little bit out of time but Colin David you need to tell us about your trip to M Sport last week uh, yeah. well, I, in fairness Lise, I don't think we do I think we have <laughs> we have a whole load of videos coming don't we Cole so what, oh, yeah. why don't we just say we what? went uh, and we uh, we experienced fabulous Cumbrian hospitality uh, and we have to say that yeah, we yeah, absolutely because it was do. wonderful And but it will all yeah. you 
know, just stay tuned to dirtfish.com and you will see everything and literally everything. The old, the good, the bad, the future, it's all there. Oh, okay, George, that's... that's uh, <laughs> Sorry. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not accepting that. Are you <laughs> suggesting I've talked too long as normal? No, no, that's them just uh, being coy and very right. pleased with themselves with their trip I to... I think they're wanting breakfast, Lisa, is what they're actually wanting. That is. They want, they want to get no, the it was, a um, second cup of coffee. No. It was a great trip, and as David says, we, we, we've got a whole lot of stuff coming out from Cumbria, but it was it was certainly good to see the... Uh, you know, it's been a tough time for them up there, that's absolutely for sure, the past three or four months, but it was good to see the planning for the future and the optimism mm. uh, that's still there, and um, you know, I think a lot of people have concerns, don't they, about uh, lots of companies at this time, uh, mm. but it was really, really good to see to see and to feel the optimism, but as David said, it's all to come on dirtfish.com over the, the coming weeks. Dovenby Hall is an absolutely amazing place uh, and anyone who's been there will know what a what a special feeling it's got there so I'm looking forward to seeing all those videos on dirtfish.com and if you have been interested if you've uh, really enjoyed reliving some of George's safari experiences there are more on the website as well and if you click through hopefully David you're going to put this in the little blurb at the top you should be able to go back and hear not only George's reminiscences of the 1990s and safari rally but also Derek Dauncey as well here on dirtfish.com so I highly recommend you go back and listen to that it has been um, great for the last hour or so I feel like I've been um, back on yeah the Kenyan plains and the Kenyan valleys it's just been absolutely brilliant George thank you very much thank you David thank you Colin thank you thank you George thank you guys thanks Lisa just just to wind that one up I'm I'm sure that Safari (laughs) Rally when it comes is going to be great it will be sufficiently different to have maintained in, in, in a much smaller microcosmic form but it will feel like a safari rally it will be different it will be wonderful and you'll be able to hear about it all on dirtfish.com 